So how we get to know somebody can be a bunch of different ways. Let's say, for example, I really want to get to know Nick Buckshaw. Yeah! <laughs> Nick Buckshaw is a beloved member of our church, <laughs> particularly among teenagers. So if I wanted to get to know Nick Buckshaw, one way I could do it is talk to this front row up here. Say, what's Nick like? Uh, what's he like to do? What's, what are things about Nick that you like? What are things about Nick that you don't like? Um, I could uh, call his mom and dad and say, what, what was Nick like when he was five? What was he like when he was 10? What was he like as a teenager? What is he like now? So I could interview people that know Nick. I could go to past employers. I could go to present employers. I could ask teachers at Indiana High School, what is Nick Buckshaw like? And all those things, I would gather information about Nick, and it would be useful. But there is nothing like spending time with a person to actually know what they're like. So I know Nick on a friend level, and so I've spent a lot of time with Nick. And as I've spent time with him, I know he is passionate about Jesus. I know he is hyper, uber competitive. I know he loves to share Jesus with others. And I know he has a tender heart towards people, all sorts. I know those things from spending time with him, talking to him, praying with him, watching him um, interact with others. So I don't want you to think of these next two months as we're just going to learn a whole bunch of information about the Holy Spirit. My hope is that it will stir us all to pursue the Holy Spirit more, to spend more time with the Holy Spirit, to build your faith and confidence to approach the Holy Spirit. And as you do, I really believe we will be different. We will be changed in many ways. We will, we will experience what Adam shared at the mic today, the living water that Jesus made possible. Now, since this is the introductory message on the series, to get our gears turning, we're going to consider four passages before we get into the actual question. So if you're taking notes, you can write these down. Matthew 3.11, John 16.7, Acts 1.4-9, and 1 Corinthians 6.19. Now, all those will be projected, so if you didn't get them, no problem. But I want you to consider these four verses in regards to what they say about the Holy Spirit because they really are, in many ways, shocking. The first one, Matthew 3.11. This is John the Baptist speaking as he's baptizing people that they're turning from their sins. He's preparing the way for Jesus to come. Listen to what he says. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. So he's talking about Jesus. He's, he's mightier than John the Baptist. He's coming. Now listen to what John says about Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the one coming, whose name was Jesus, is far greater than John the Baptist John the Baptist is calling people to turn from their sins and get ready for the Messiah. The Messiah himself, Jesus, when he comes, he's going to immerse people with the Holy Spirit. 
and with fire. The word baptism, if you think, if you've ever been to a water baptism, you're just dunking people in water, you're immersing them. So to be immersed in the Holy Spirit is, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be, have the Holy Spirit dwell within you, to be saturated with the Holy Spirit. In this verse from John the Baptist's words, he promises that Jesus is going to do this. When he comes, he's going to immerse his people with the Holy Spirit, and with fire. And the with fire seems to be a reference to Malachi 3, which is talking about the purification that will come. As we are immersed in the Holy Spirit, we should be changed by the Holy Spirit. See, it is God's will for every believer in Jesus to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You can't be a believer in Jesus without having the Holy Spirit inside of you. And we're going to see that. And when he comes inside of you, he immerses you. So that's the first verse to consider. Second one I, I find even more shocking in some ways. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, another name for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's to your advantage. That's why this series is called For Your Advantage. But I want you to think about this from the perspective of the disciples. So we're, we're pretty far in the book of John when Jesus said this. So Jesus' ministry has been operating for quite some time. So think about how shocking this would be. Jesus, who is the promised Messiah, the one promised from the Old Testament. He is on earth with his people. While he's been on earth, he has been healing the blind. He's been casting out demons. He even on occasion will look at the, the storms of the sea, the winds and the waves, and he'll speak to them and they listen to him. At other times, he, he would approach leprous men and women who have been cast out of society because of their leprosy. They lost all their social connections as they knew it because of their skin disease. He would place their hand on them and rather being contaminated with their leprosy, they were healed from their leprosy. And he restored them back into community, back into relationship with their friends. This Jesus even raised Lazarus from the dead. This Jesus was the one who, when he talked to the woman at the well who had five husbands and the man she was living with was not her husband, transformed her by giving her living water. This Jesus spent a lot of time with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners of all sorts. And their lives would be radically transformed and changed. So when Jesus says to them, it's actually better that I go, that would be shocking. Well, the reasons it's better is because when he goes, first he had to die for their sins, then he rose from the grave, then he ascended to heaven, and when that happened, it allowed the Holy Spirit to be poured out in mass. The Holy Spirit to reveal himself, not just in one location, but in every location as he seems fit and pleases. See, it was far better 
for Jesus to go. It was for their advantage and for our advantage. So I want you to think about that as we are considering the Holy Spirit, who He is, what He does, how to seek Him for the next two months. It's actually better to be in the state we're in right now with having the Holy Spirit dwelling among God's people. Okay, here's one that's a little bit longer. So now we're in the book of Acts. Jesus has died. He has risen from the grave. And he has revealed himself um, to many people, including his disciples. He's giving them instruction before he ascends to heaven. Now listen to what this tells us about the Holy Spirit. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they knew he was the Messiah. They knew he was the king. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Here's what you to know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, they were looking on, and he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is he empowers God's people to be bold witnesses for him. So, we're going we're gonna to dive into that in a moment. One last scripture to consider. And this might be the, the kicker of the kicker. This one is wild, especially if you've ever read the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Paul is writing to Christians, and he's saying, don't you know? That if you've trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, resides in you. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know, let's just like focus in on Mount Sinai. Moses went up. God said, Moses, tell the people, if anybody else comes here, comes up into my presence, they're going to die. They're going to die. They're going to be toast. Then we, as we continue in the Old Testament, we, we, we learn about the, the tabernacle and then the temple and all these rules and regulations of how and when and who can enter in to God's holy presence. Very detailed, very complicated. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, opened the way for God's Spirit to dwell among people that by nature are sinful but in Christ are forgiven and washed and cleansed. See, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. So who is he? Let's go to our first point. Who is the Holy Spirit? See, we can get confused. Uh, Star Wars brings some level of confusion for some people that we think the Holy Spirit is just sort of this abstract force. I think, I think God the Father it's conceptually easier to get our mind around. 
We either have good fathers or bad fathers, but either way, we have a father uh, in, in mindset. If you had a bad father, you think opposite of that. If you had a good father, you think even better. We think of Jesus, the Son. He's human and God. We, we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John that describe his humanity in great detail. And so it's very tangible. We can get our minds around it. When we get to the Holy Spirit, just a, a bit more abstract, which is one of the reasons we wanted to do a series to, to consider various scriptures about the Holy Spirit. Here's one really important truth to understand. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God. He is fully God. We, as all Christians throughout the world and throughout history that believe in the scriptures, believe in the Trinity, we believe that there is one God and he exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God. Um, Acts 5, 3 and 4 teach this very clearly. But Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself the proceeds of the land? So Ananias, the wife Sapphira, they sold land that was theirs to sell and they kept some money back for themselves, which was theirs to keep back. The problem is they gave the appearance that they sold the land, let's say, for a million dollars and they were giving it all away but they actually pocketed $500,000. So they they deceived people and lied. And so Peter's asking, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not your disposal? Now listen to this. Why is that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. So he lied to the Holy Spirit, and Peter's clearly saying, when you lie to the Holy Spirit, you're not lying to man, you're lying to God himself. He is a Holy Spirit. Mark chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, we see the Trinity on display very clearly. And when he came up out of the water, that's Jesus. This is when Jesus is being baptized. Jesus is there, he comes out of the water. Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, the Holy Spirit coming down. And a voice from heaven, God the Father says, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. So the Trinity is one of those teachings in the Bible that just blows your mind. It stretches your mind. It maybe even causes some confusion, but it is clearly taught in the Bible, and so we Absolutely believe it. So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an abstract force. And as a person, the Holy Spirit, he can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He can be grieved. When we sin, when we turn away from obeying the Lord, that grieves the Holy Spirit. When we fight with our brothers and sisters. That grieves the Holy Spirit. There are many ways we can grieve the Holy Spirit as a person. As a person, the Holy Spirit has a will. A W-I-L-L. Has a will. 1 Corinthians 12 says this. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. 
There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to the other the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to the another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to the others the interpretation of tongues. We'll get into all this um, in the weeks to come. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit and who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God the Holy Spirit will decide what gifts he distributes for the good of the church, for the glory of God, for the good of the mission of the church. The Holy Spirit uses his mind to search the deep things of God. Listen to this verse, 1 Corinthians 2.10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Lastly, as we're considering who the Holy Spirit is, and as we're going through all these categories, don't think of all these as exhaustive. These are just like the big ones. If you think I've missed something important or the other guys missed something important, just let us know. We, we definitely want to do our best to equip you and, and encourage you. So lastly about the Holy Spirit, he has fellowship with believers. He has fellowship with believers. I want you to think about this. This is like similar to the idea of God's Spirit living in you. So in a, in a matter of moments, you can go from full-out rebellion to the living God, an enemy of God, deserving of his wrath, having rejected his son Jesus, to being made alive in him, trusting in his son, turning from your sins, having the Holy Spirit inside of you, and you can actually have a relationship with him. That can happen in an instant, the moment you call out, to the Lord. That is an incredible reality. So if you're new to faith, that, that should blow you away. If you've been walking with the Lord for decades, maybe you meet, need to be reminded of how incredible that reality truly is. So the fellowship, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. See, we're, we're talking relational language. You can have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. So what are some things that he, that he does? Now, this probably already felt like we're, we're covering a lot of territory and we're, we're jumping all around. This is going to feel more like that. So if you like food, um, this is going to be like a, a food sampler. So we're just going to get a taste. So you know, think of malls in their heyday when... when uh, you go to a food court and they have all the samples out. And if you're, if you're raised like me, and it's how I raised my kids too, you, you just got to taste everything, even if you're not going to buy anything. Um, it's just part of it. So we're going to get a, a taste of what the Holy Spirit does, and then we're going to dive in deeper in the weeks to come. So what does he do? The Holy Spirit makes us spiritually alive. He makes us spiritually alive. Consider Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. The Holy Spirit makes you alive. So if you are a Christian today, on the 4th of July, 2021, the reason you are a Christian, the reason you have spiritual sight, the reason you have ears to hear, is because God, the Holy Spirit, made you alive. He made you alive. You were born spiritually flatlined, and at a moment in time, life was infused. And you, you trusted in Jesus, and you turned from your sins. But why did you do that? And maybe why did the others around you not do that? Because God, in his mercy and grace, made you alive. This past Friday, uh, we went on our first college tours for my daughter Lily, who will be a senior this year. And we went to Slippery Rock and to Grove City. And we're starting the, the adventure and praying and asking the Lord to just help guide what, what the next steps for Lily's future are. Um, so we're doing that, and... And we, we did that once before with my, my oldest, Isaac. And it, it has all kinds of mixed emotions for me. One is I, I feel older. Because um, in a blink of an eye, I went from feeling like a cool college student to an old dad. And that happened like really fast. Um, the other thing that happened is Slippery Rock was one of the universities that both Mary and I visited as seniors in high school. Um, and we ended up here at IUP for for. Very different reasons. She saw a squirrel in the oak grove and liked it, and she came. And um, I knew a lot of party friends at IUP, so I, I came for that. And, and I, as we're, we're on this tour, and I'm just thinking about all that, we, we come to IUP as freshmen, both of us not knowing the Lord, not, not having an ounce of interest in the Bible or Jesus. And with a year or two of being here, we were made alive. We went from spiritual death to spiritual life because of God the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to see Jesus. So that should give you faith. If you are wanting your relatives to know Jesus, if you're wanting your close friends to know Jesus, if you're wanting your co-workers to know Jesus, if you're wanting your angry neighbors to know Jesus, um, maybe you don't want them to know Jesus, but you should want them to know Jesus. It'll make living beside him a lot better, um, or it should. The, the point is, you pray to God, the Holy Spirit. Ask him to do what you cannot do, which is make them spiritually alive. The Holy Spirit has not changed. He will not change. We can trust him. Next, what does he do? The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and righteousness. Nevertheless, I tell you, this is from John 16, I tell you the truth, it's for your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So we already looked at that. But if I go, I will send him to you. And here's what's going to happen. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, and righteousness, and judgment, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. So he's going to open eyes. He's going to show people that they are sinners in need of a Savior. Concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. 
So this was true when Jesus said it. It is true now. We do not need to fear the cultural tides that are shifting and picking up speed right now. You do not need to fear them. God, the Holy Spirit, has not changed. He can work. He can draw. He can convict. And He will, in our day and age, pluck out some of the most God-hating, opposed people that we could think of. How do I know that? Because He always does that. He's been doing that since the first day. He loves to draw men and women to Himself. So we can be bold. We can be courageous in talking about Jesus. We were on vacation a few weeks ago and we were at the beach and we were at a bay and we were, one of the things that my big stress on that vacation in the morning was, do I go for a bike ride? I'm like the early riser in my, my, my family. Or do I try to catch crabs on the dock? And so I'd alternate each day. So one day I'd catch crabs, one day I would go for a bike ride. But the one day I was on the dock after I read the Bible, and I'm trying to catch these crabs, and they're not big enough to eat, so I keep throwing them back. But I felt like the Lord said, it is time to go on offense. It, it, we, we don't have to be afraid to share the gospel. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to feel like we just got to keep defending as the cultural tides keep raging past. We, we want to be on offense. And if you study even at a, just, a, just a basic level of the early church and how, how tense it was to share the gospel, particularly from Roman rule, um, we are in a very different place right now. We have way more freedom. And one of the primary things that the Holy Spirit does is empowers us for witness. Look at Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. As we are in this series, here's one of the things I'd ask you to really consider. Pray every day that the Holy Spirit would empower you for bold witness. Give you opportunities to share your faith. And if you're anything like me, it doesn't work like a video game where you like power up and then you go to fight. You, you probably feel weak. You probably feel timid. You probably feel like something in your throat. Your chest might be really tight or your heart might be racing. It's in those moments that I've found that the Holy Spirit shows up in power and will enable. So don't wait for a feeling. Be bold. Take a risk and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to empower you. So what else does he do? The Holy Spirit leads us and transforms us. He changes us. He guides us, and He changes us. That is a, an incredible reality. We don't have to be left to ourselves. We have God's Word, and God the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us through His Word. And He will change us. He will transform us. Consider these two verses. We were buried with Him by baptism into death. This is talking about our union with Christ. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In other words, you can change. You can be different than you were. And then we have this familiar section in Galatians. But if you are led by the Spirit, 
You are not under the law, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there are, there are no laws. So think of it this way. Because of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit, we can go from being self-absorbed, self-focused, self-indulging, angry, um, people that are ruled by our passions and sinful desires, enslaved to all sorts of stuff, just kind of miserable people and miserable people to be around. And then we meet Jesus and God's Spirit begins to change and to work. And angry people become loving people. Irresponsible people become faithful people. People that are just bowing down to their passions and desires all the time begin to be able to not do that. It's called self-control. God, the Holy Spirit, will produce change in you over time. See, this is very different than just agreeing to a body of teaching. So maybe some of you grew up and you know the tenets of the Christian faith. And so if I'm handing out exams, you're, you're good at answering who is God, what is the Trinity, how should someone be saved? But when it comes to this question, do you have a personal relationship with the living God? Your answer is no. Well, if the answer is no, then you can't experience this transformation because the transformation only comes when we personally put our faith in Jesus alone. When we do that, then the transformation begins. So the Holy Spirit leads, transforms. The Holy Spirit comforts, encourages, and refreshes. This is one of my prayers for this series, that you would experience comfort, encouragement and refreshing we are on the tail end of a very hard year and a half and i think for some of you it has been excruciatingly difficult and lonely and isolating and god the holy spirit wants to refresh you john 14 says and i will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He is our helper, our comforter, our counselor. Listen to Isaiah's prophecy from Isaiah 44. I will pour out water on thirsty land and streams on the ground. I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. So if you are dry and you are weary, ask the Holy Spirit to bring refreshing life to you, and he will. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. I already read 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, so I'm not going to read it again right now. We're going to revisit that in the weeks to come. But you, if you know Jesus, you have gifts and abilities, and you're to use those for the good of the church, for the good of others, for the good of our community, for the good of those who don't know the Lord. I was so glad that Jason, uh, what he said about Aiden, that Aiden was using his gifts and is going to continue to use his gifts that the Lord has given him, not for his own glory, but for the good and blessing of others. You have gifts too. One of our convictions here at Saving Grace is that every member would be active 
because every member has gifts. Our prayer, our hope would be every member is active in our mission to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. If you want help in figuring all that out, we'd love to help you. Final question, how do we seek him? How do we seek him? Final verse, Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the the Holy Spirit. So he's he's using opposites. So he's using a negative example to, to show a positive example. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. So how do we seek him? There are many ways, and we're going to look at them, but but the big idea is you've got to pursue him. We spend time with the Holy Spirit when we read God's word in faith and in prayer. We we spend time with the Holy Spirit when we sing to him. We, We spend time with the Holy Spirit when we pray. We, we spend time with the Holy Spirit when we're using the gifts that He has given us. We, we spend time with the Holy Spirit when we're in fellowship with other believers. This might seem like a weird example, but Paul uses it. Think about how does a person get drunk? Is it from drinking one beer or one glass of wine? No. You get drunk by drinking large quantities of alcohol. You get filled with the Holy Spirit the more you pursue the Holy Spirit, the more you spend time with the Holy Spirit. So, if you pray once a year, you read a single Bible verse once a year, you come to church once a year, you spend time with God's people once a year, that's very different than someone who, by the grace of God, spends a lot of time with the Lord. A lot of time singing to the Lord on their own. A lot of time praying. A lot of time devouring this book. A lot of time praying for others. A lot of time spending time with God's people. My prayer, my hope, is that we are stirred to seek the Holy Spirit more. Because it really is for our advantage that Jesus ascended to heaven. Let's have the band come up. You guys can all stand and we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fill us all with your spirit freshly as we sing this final song. Pray that there would be joy, the joy of our salvation. We pray that there would be refreshment from you. We pray that there would be a, a tangible taste of your presence. We pray that this series would be used by you to, to grow us and change us and give us more joy and delight in you. Lord, we pray that you administer to every single person watching online and in this room that that none of us could leave without saying we didn't encounter the Lord. We, We pray that you would show yourself in power.